Amen. You know, uh, I am so blessed to see what God has done in this congregation, bringing healing and seeing uh, what Enoch is. <laughs> Brother, I was really touched when I walked in and saw you up here. Man, God is good. And Debbie, wow, <laughs> awesome. You know, we had, um, we had Dean share this morning. We had Donna share. We had Debbie share. We had Denise share all four Ds. I'm the fifth D, Don. So maybe something good will happen today. It's so good to see all of you again. I have been so blessed through the years to be able to connect with so many in the body of Christ in the United States and other countries as well. So many of you have been part of my family, some of you for 40 years, some of you a shorter period of time. There's one young man here today uh, that I see in the back, snuck in. His name is Matthew Ajake. He's from Nigeria, and uh, he's a close friend to Kazmir, uh, who preached for you a few weeks ago and just blessed our socks off. We were here for that. It was awesome. But Matthew has been one of our adopted sons, Ruthann and I, for many years now, over 30. And uh, he lives in uh, Fremont, and he came all the way down just to hear Dad speak because he's, he's my adopted, our adopted son. Matthew, stand. Amen. Bless you. When I tell people that he's my son, I have to, they say, well, how can we tell the difference? Well, he has black hair. I have gray hair. That's how you can tell the difference. Yeah. It was a joy to be with uh, Kazmir in Nigeria a few times, ministering there in his ministry and confirming what God is doing there. And I know uh, he's continuing to do that. I appreciate the support this church is giving uh, to Kazmir. Today I'd like to address the subject, maturing from thanksgiving to thanks living. Maturing from thanksgiving to thanks living. And... We've just come through the Thanksgiving season, uh, but I encourage you today to continue to let the Spirit move. The Holy Spirit is so precious here right now. We do not want to do anything to disrupt what the Holy Spirit is doing, but I am appealing to you to let the Holy Spirit work with you specifically and uniquely. A lot of times we come to church and we're not prepared really for what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So I'd like for you to take a few moments just to close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you personally today, right where you need it the most. Some of you are coming with great needs, tremendous needs, but I want you to know the Holy Spirit is here, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now, speak to me, Holy Spirit. Show me what you want me to do and what you want me to say. Teach me, Holy Spirit, during this time how to cooperate with you to let you go deeper in my life to bring healing and transformation. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things that I'd like to accomplish today, and I'm just putting it out front in the beginning, is that some of you have been carrying weights for so many years, and you've made some progress in developing your relationship with God, becoming healthier emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Uh, 
But there seems to be something in your life that keeps you from breaking through all the way to the place where you can be more conscious of the life of Jesus being lived through you than you are living your life through you. This is really what God is wanting us to do, is to learn how to so cooperate and yield to the Holy Spirit that he will heal everything in us that needs to be healed. He'll free us from everything that we need to be freed from so that we can be a vessel, a container, to allow the Holy Spirit to be poured into us and the presence of Jesus to be expressed through us. When we give thanks for the Word of God, the cross of Christ, and the Holy Spirit, we can more easily live a lifestyle of thanksgiving, thanksgiving. I will be using a lot of scriptures today, and I believe in the power of the Word. I use the Word a lot in my counseling ministry, in my teaching ministry, because I found that the Word of God truly is like a surgeon's scalpel that can separate the soul and the spirit. Because, folks, if you really look at your problems that you have internally and in relationships, that most of those problems happen because we, our spirit, has been overwhelmed by the flesh, with the flesh being the soul, the feelings, and the emotions, and our physical body, that we find ourselves restricted in becoming that vessel that God can use and that person that will allow Jesus to speak through. So there is a need for surgery to take place. And in, uh, this is why I believe that so strongly in the Word. I'd like to introduce this uh, whole concept of thanksgiving being transformed into thanksgiving. I know that in the service this morning, there's just an overwhelming sense of gratitude from those who are in even the slightest tune of the Holy Spirit. The way the worship was going and the way the worship team was leading us and the presence of the Holy Spirit was so real and so vital here today. A story is told of the, a Roman soldier back in the second century of Rome, uh, and he had just become a Christian. He was walking through the marketplace one day in downtown Rome, and he was attracted to a slave auction. And he came to the slave auction and saw this very healthy young man being auctioned off as a slave. This new Christian soldier decided to enter the bidding. He outbid the others, paid his money, and received the papers on his new slave. The new slave was taken to his quarters, and... The slave said to his new master, you've wasted your money because I was born into slavery and I determined I would never be a slave again as long as I live. You can beat me, you can even kill me, but I will not serve you. And the first chance I get, I'm going to run away. So you just wasted your money, mister. The new owner reaches in his pouch and pulls out the papers on the new slave. And he signs them, hands them to him, and says, now you're free. I purchased you to set you free. The new freed slave was so overwhelmed with gratitude. Folks, you'll have to uh, endure my emotions (laughs) because I'll get emotional through the service and I don't apologize for it. But uh, when this slave 
recognize what had happened. I've just been set free. My lifelong dream has been realized. And when he realized this man had purchased his freedom to set him free, he fell to his knees, looked up to his face and said, Sir, because you've given me my lifelong dream, I'm willing now to be your loyal, faithful servant for the rest of my days. One reason that story touches my heart. I was about 13 or 14 years old when I heard that story. The First Baptist Church of Gilroy. And when I heard that story, I said, Oh God, you've been so good to me. You've given me salvation. As a nine-year-old, I received Christ. You've answered my prayer in turning my alcoholic dad around to a godly man. You've given us a Christian family where my dad leads devotions now. And God, there's so much that I'm so grateful for. And I'm willing now, as a 14-year-old, I made that commitment. I'll serve you for the rest of my days. I've just turned 80, so you figure the math, how long it's been. And yet there's a burning in my spirit now to make that commitment more real than ever before. I don't know how long I'm going to live. Neither do you know how long you're going to live. And I was given the death sentence a few years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer. And Ruth Ann and I prayed about what we were to do. God gave us the answer. Four and a half years, almost five now. I'm cancer-free as far as I'm concerned. And your, your prayers had a lot to do with that. But I, as I look at the Word of God as being so powerful, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah, the 8th chapter, verses 5 to 8. Now I'm going to be reading uh, in different versions, probably that your, doesn't coincide with your particular version that you have. And if it gets too confusing for you, just write down the references of the scriptures that I give you to today and then take them home and read them again, meditate over them, and let God really touch you. Nehemiah, uh, thinking, you know, thinking about Thanksgiving, the power of the Word of God. In verse 5 of Nehemiah 8, Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people shouted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites instructed the people in the law. In your version, you have the names of all those. I decided not to read the names. You can read them on your own. But the Levites instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. Man, I could preach a whole sermon on that, everybody remaining in their places. God has positioned everyone in this congregation to a particular place, and he's asking you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let that be fulfilled. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was read helping the people to understand the passage. Let's continue reading with uh, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. 
For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between the joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked, naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. You know, I've meditated on that scripture for so long through the years and used it in my counseling to encourage people to become people of the word. I'm concerned about what I sense in the Christian world about their opinion or their uh, treatment of the word of God. I find very few Christians really do read and study the word of God. In my counseling and in my moving in among the body of Christ, uh, I find that this is an alarming thing. And I started reading the Bible when I was nine years old, and I can't get enough of it today. I get up at an early hour in the morning, and I'm spending sometimes hour or two hours in the Word, letting the Word minister to me, along with my praying and seeking the Lord. Somebody asked me one time, well, you're doing that because you've got some tough counseling sessions ahead of you. I said, no, that's not my primary reason. I just love the presence of God, and He is present in His Word. When you allow the Holy Spirit to take the Word and serve as a surgeon's scalpel to separate the soul and the spirit, so now your spirit is alive and vibrant with the presence of God. And from that position, you have the ability and the power to command your soul, your feelings, your emotions, to come under the dominion and the control of the Holy Spirit. You have that authority to do it, but you cannot do it unless you're saturating your mind and your soul with the Holy Spirit and His Word, then commanding your body to come in alignment. I find that one of the problems we're having in, in the Christian world today is pornography. It's, it's massive. I'm finding pastors that are addicted to pornography. This whole thing, enemy is using it greatly to deceive the very elect of God and cause great harm to the body of Christ. But uh, uh, again, it's the inability of a person to really come under the control of the Holy Spirit and let the Word of God serve as a surgeon's scaffold to separate the soul and spirit so the spirit now can command the soul and the body. Paul said, I lead my body about as a slave. So many of us, it's the other way around with our eating or addictions or whatever it might be. And God is wanting us to come in under that dominion. Thanking God also for the power of the cross. I appreciate so much the emphasis on the cross today in our worship service and sharing time. In Hebrews 12, 1 to 4. Hebrews 12, 1 to 4. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the, the way all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of who he was and where he was headed. What a testimony. 
Now, I pray to God today that the Holy Spirit will help us all to understand who we are and where we're headed. No extra spiritual fat. Because he never lost sight of who he was and where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, the shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. Here's some good counsel. Verse 3. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility Jesus plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your soul, and it will. When we are reminded, or we remind ourselves over and again, the price that Jesus paid for our redemption, the horrible agony that he went through knowing that someday you and I would need what he was paying for on the cross. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. I woke up the other morning with this song in my heart. I'm not going to sing it for you. I want to read the words. So relax. (laughs) When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to your blood. See from his his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flowed mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or Thorns compose so rich a crown. His dying grimsom like a robe spreads o'er his body on the tree. Then I'm dead to all the globe and all the globe is dead to me. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Several years ago, I was conducting a singles seminar uh, retreat center up at a big uh, camp site up in Northern California. And um, one of the things that I say to singles, you singles are here, I have news for you, singles, whether you're married, divorced, or widowed. God wants you to be single. Because you'll never know how to have relationships on a marriage any other level unless you know how to find your way and knowing who you are in God in that single position and single-minded before Him. After a Friday night meeting with these uh, precious people, I got up Saturday morning and 
as my custom is, spend time in the presence of the Lord and then go for a walk. And uh, a lot of time when I'm walking, I'm singing and praising, listening to worship sometimes, just experiencing the presence of God. And I'd planned to walk that morning, Saturday morning early, as soon as it was daybreak, up this large hill, steep hill, to a, what they call a vestibular area, where it was a grassy area that had a platform on it with a cross in the back, where the speakers, the musicians would uh, perform on the um, platform and a big grassy area where people would sit, just like in the days of Jesus. And it was foggy down in the valley floor where we were, and as I made my way up the hill, very steep, it was a lot farther than I thought, and when I got up there, the sun was shining. And I, it was so beautiful. I mean, I still remember the flowers were beautiful, the grass was so green, the birds were chirping, and the presence of God was so real. I had my Bible, laid it down on that platform. The grass was still wet, and so I was walking back and forth, forth on this about 12-foot-long uh, platform, <coughs> praising the Lord, lifting my hands, enjoying His presence, speaking in tongues, enjoying His presence, and worshiping Him. And at one point, I opened my eyes, and I had my arms up, and the sun had come up behind the cross and cast a shadow on the grass out in front of me. I was impended upon the cross beams of the cross. And God spoke to my heart that day. A word that has come so many times. Don, there's too much of Don Phillips and not enough of me. So I made a commitment to really examine my life often and making sure that I'm not allowing myself to get in the way of Jesus being demonstrated and magnified through me. In, um, I just wanted to spend a little time just talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God. Enoch, I really appreciate whoever got the music together today talking about the kingdom of God, the presence of God. It's all fitting in so well. But I'd like just to have you thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God. Adam and Eve committed treason and lost the kingdom. Are you aware of that? They blew it big time. They had heaven on earth. They had everything going for them. I love the story of, uh, I forget the person's name that wrote The Divine Romance. It's a novel. But uh, he has uh, Adam enjoying all that God had given to him, walking with him in the cool of the day. Then God said to Adam, Adam, everything else is good except you. It's not good. You'd be alone. And so uh, lay down, go to sleep. I'm going to take one of your ribs and build your wife. And the way the author of The Divine Romance puts it is quite clever. He has Adam waking up from the surgery on one side of the garden and Eve waking up on the other side of the garden. And uh, Adam wakes up, looks in the face of God, worships him, loves him, and then feels his side. Uh, Oh, something is missing. I wonder what it is. I've got to search to find out what's missing. And so he's searching through the garden to find out what's missing. Eve wakes up on the other side of the garden, 
looks in the face of God and worships him and loves him. And she gets the sense, oh my, I belong somewhere. I wonder where I belong. And she starts searching through the garden to find out where she belonged. Eve's looking for what's missing. And they meet. I don't remember, I think it was some gum commercial years ago, two people walking, slow, uh, running slow motion on the beach. <laughs> kind of that picture. They meet and they embrace and God performs the first wedding. Marriage is the first institution that God created. And all of heaven observed that. But the author does something there that is so clever. He says, God looks on this scene and sees this couple really knowing how to live a marriage. Because, you see, the way they lived the marriage before the fall was this way. They recognized that nobody would ever be able to meet their needs for security, for identity, for a sense of belonging, like God can. So they had it right. God was their ultimate source for their deepest needs. And so now they were in a place to minister to one another with no strings attached. And this is so vital. And, uh, and everything was wonderful in that area because they had a relationship with God that was the primary one which equipped them now to have the best human relationship possible. And folks, I hope that somehow or another that you'll catch this too, that God wants us to be so filled with the Holy Spirit and so healthy in Him. We're letting Him deal with all the stuff out of our past, everything, that, and forgiving everybody that's hurt us and releasing them and giving the pain to God so we're not building walls of self-protection so that we can really let the life of Jesus begin to be lived through us. Well, we can come into a relationship so free that we're not expecting that much from another person. We're just being who we are. We're just creating an environment of unconditional love and acceptance with no manipulation. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we had more relationships like that in marriage and in the body of Christ and so on where we could really be so free that all I want to do is just bless you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I see some problems in your life, and, uh, but I'm not going to try to fix them. I can create an environment of my unconditional love and give God a chance to do that work because that's how I function, folks. Man, I have, if I didn't do it this way, I would have burned out probably in my first six months of trying to do this professionally and working with so many critical situations. Just creating the environment. It's kind of like gardening. You know, you, plant, you cultivate the soil, you plant the seeds, you fertilize, you water, you do everything you can to create a growth environment for the other person. And, but when that plant begins to grow, you don't look at it and say, well, you know, you're not growing as fast as I think you should. Here, let me pull on this little plant and help you out. <laughs> Foolish. But we do that with people, don't we? We do that with children sometimes. Hey, kid, you're not growing as fast as you should. And it affects the rootage. Or we say, all right, God, I got the message. I'm not going to pull on the plant and make it grow faster. Uh, but, okay, but hey, you're not shaping up the way I expected. You're not forming the way I had in mind for you to be. So let me mold you a little bit here and press you a little bit here and twist you a little bit here to conform the image that I have in mind for you. And it can affect the plant. So you get the idea. Okay, I'm not supposed to pull on it. I'm not supposed to mold it. 
but then you hover over it and become overprotective and overenmeshed. And you block the sunlight from coming in and doing the work. And when we get into the place where the Apostle Paul got in his ministry, where he said, I plant, Apollos and other people water, but it's God who causes it to grow. And man, when we can create that atmosphere in relationships, in marriage, with our children, in the body of Christ, where we're so full of him that we don't have to take the responsibility to fix anybody. We can just love them where they're at and allow God. And you know, I appreciate this church so much. I appreciate the banisters and their leadership of how they're, they've manifested that through the years they've been here in Hollister. And God is blessing all the time, allowing that ministry to continue to grow, touching the lives of people where they are, creating an environment of love, unconditional love, and watching people's lives being transformed and all the programs that they have going for him. And I'm just so blessed to be a part of a body like that, a family like this. Amen. A few months ago, or last year, or two years, I don't know, I don't keep good time. My wa- That's one reason my wife, instantly, where's my wife? Sweetheart, would you stand up? <laughs> this is, stand up. <laughs> this is my wife of 50, 59 years. Uh, and God has taught me a lot of what I do in counseling and through the crucibles of my own marriage. Look at all the mistakes that I make, and, and it's been good. She's been a real asset to me. Uh, but w- uh, some time ago, we were in Israel and uh, took our granddaughter, oldest, our youngest granddaughter and our oldest great-grandson, who's 13. In fact, he was here one time with me in ministry. Um, some of you have been there, you remember, but uh, the thing that, uh, one of the impressions that I had, and it was just one among many, where we're in the area where, in Capernaum, on the north end of the Sea of Galilee, where they, uh, supposedly, Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount, and this hillside, and as we were standing there, I was just trying to visualize Jesus standing here and ministering to 5,000 without a loudspeaker. Wow, I thought, how in the world? But anyway, I was remembering the part of the Sermon on the Mount where he said, consider the lily, how it grows. And then seeing how, uh, just try to visualize this with me. Use your imagination with me a little bit. Suppose you were to interview a lily and ask the lily, lily, how did you get so beautiful? And have the lily talk back to you. They say flowers respond to human love and compassion. I don't know for sure, but it could be. But, Lily, how did you get so beautiful? Let me tell you the secret of my success, Lily says. The reason I'm a beautiful Lily is I realized I was created by God to be a beautiful Lily. So, I began to exert all my little bulb energy and stressed, stretched and strained and out came the growth above the soil and then I gave it all that I could and exerted all my energy and out came this beautiful flower. And uh, if the lily was really honest, it wouldn't say something like that. And I haven't met a miss, uh, um, lily yet that didn't tell the truth. So, But if the lily would say the honest truth, it would say something like this. The secret of my success of being a beautiful flower is I realized I was created by God to be a beautiful flower. So I learned the principles of growth. I learned how to cooperate with my creator God and allow the inherent life that God had put within me 
to come forth. And if you miss nothing else I say today, folks, I understand this. Jesus lives within you. You have personal faith in him. If he is not your savior, I invite you to do that today, even as I'm speaking. Just saying, God, forgive me my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. But when he's there, he wants to express himself through you. And it's not a matter of you trying hard. I find so many Christians trying hard to be Christians and working at it and, and, being, and feeling. I have husbands coming in to uh, my office saying, hey, doc, just give me the list. Tell me what I can do to win my wife back and check it off, check it off, check it off. I say, ah, it's not a list. It's a lifestyle. It's an attitude of heart, just allowing God to go inside and heal from the inside out. And so look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work making clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory wasn't dressed as beautiful as these. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. I'd like to move on to the one other point that I'd like to make here, talking about the kingdom of God. Um, when Jesus, uh, in verse 31 of uh, chapter 12 of Luke, 31, 12, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great pleasure to give you the kingdom. And Jesus came back to restore the kingdom, and we're his subjects in the kingdom. He's going to take care of us in every way that we am. I want to tell a story. I love to tell stories. This uh, man was very wealthy. He had um, a son, this um, young man in his 20s. His wife had died. He was a multi-billionaire, and he and his son loved to collect art from all over the world. They had traveled, buy these very expensive pieces of art at the best bargains they could, bring them back to their estate, put them in the uh, in, uh, display for their friends to see. The young man was drafted into the Vietnam War and went to battle and was killed in combat, rescuing three of his buddies. And word came to the father. The father, of course, was devastated, not only losing his, his wife, but now his son. A few months later, a young man came to visit him and said, Sir, I was one of the men that your son saved, gave his life for. We were good friends, and he told me about you and the love that you had for art. And he said, uh, uh, I'm also a lover of art, and I'm somewhat of a portrait painter. And said, I was so grateful for your son saving my life, I decided to paint his portrait by memory what I remembered him to be like. And I brought it to you to give as a gift. The man opened it up, took the paper off of it, looked at it, and was so amazed of how he had captured his son in such a wonderful way. He said, this is my most cherished painting of all the other famous paintings that I have. A few years later, the man died, and his estate came up for sale. The auctioneer was auctioning off the paintings, People come from all over the world to try to get a bargain on these very famous pieces of paintings, of artwork. And so the auctioneer started off by presenting the painting of the sun. And the people said, we don't want to bid on that. It's not uh, of any value. We don't even know the artist. We come here to bid on the more expensive ones. 
And the man says, no, we got to, what am I bid for the painting of the sun? Nobody offered anything. A man from the back of the room said, sir, I was the gardener on this estate, this estate since that young man was born. He was, more, he was much like my own son. I loved him deeply. I'd love to buy that painting, but all I have is $20. Do I hear 30 No offer. Sold. $20 to the gardener. Then the auctioneer hit the gavel on the, on the table. said, auction closed. And everybody was amazed. What, we've come here from all the world to buy. What do you mean? There was a stipulation in the will that we couldn't reveal until now. Whoever buys the son gets the whole estate. Let the Holy Spirit drive that message in. Mm. Wow. And we get heaven on top of all of that. Can you imagine? We've got the blessings to live the kingdom of God lifestyle here because we have Jesus, the King, living within us. And wherever the King is, the kingdom is. And we need to let the Holy Spirit continue to do that. You know, I would like for Enoch to come back. Where are you, Enoch? And just uh, play something on the piano for us, a quick keyboard, and continue to position yourself before the Lord and asking God to show you if there's something in you that he wants to adjust in your thinking, your attitude, if there's a need for you to repent, because that was the first message of Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Holy Spirit is calling all of us to repent. And we need to learn how to do that on a regular basis. So we're clean before him. But I believe the Holy Spirit has put something in your heart right now that you want to repent of. And you recognize it's something that the Holy Spirit, it's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. God's not some austere judge up there ready to hit you on the head with his gavel because you sin. It's a loving father saying, I love you so much. We can take care of the sin issue. If you repent, turn to me and let me heal and free you and transform you. So just take a few moments right now. I'd like for you to stand, if you would, in God's presence and just let the spirit move on you as you will. Some of you may feel the need to come and just spend some time at the altar on your knees before the Lord. It may be that critical for you. And again, you may just want to do it where you're at. But I am believing as I prayed for this service today, and I think it's already begun to happen. It happened during the worship service. Some of us were touched and God did work with us, did business with us. But some of you here today, you're at a critical part in your life and you can go one way or the other. You can continue to try to manage your life your own way or surrender and totally commit to him and repent, come before him with clean hands and saying, Jesus, because you've given me all this, I want to give my life to you, the rest of my life, to let every moment count so that your life can be lived through me. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you Lord, words are so inadequate to express the depth of our gratitude to you for loving us so much when we don't deserve your love, forgiving us when we don't deserve it, 
But Lord, it's not a matter of whether we deserve it or not. It's your grace and your mercy that comes and overwhelms us with your presence. And it's out of that that causes us to want to say, Father, I surrender all. All to thee I surrender. And Father, just help us right now to do business with you. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to touch us where we need to be touched. Heal the hurts of the past. Help us to forgive all those who've hurt us. To release the pain to you, Lord. To not hold grudges, not to hold people accountable. To do anything to make that pain go away that we've forgiven them for. But Lord, to release that pain to you and what you purchased for us on the cross. We'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.